Hello, sir. <laughs> Everyone, my cat is here to say hello. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. We did it. We did it. It took us four seasons. <laughs> Welcome back to One More Thing. Oh my god, it's the finale. It's the finale. We made it. <laughs> I can't believe we made it. Looks like we made it. So I guess welcome to not only the finale, but the movie club episode. Yes. Of the movie I'm sure everybody has seen. By yeah. Now. <laughs> you have to. It's It's been out for a week and a half. And if you haven't, it's super easy. You can go download it. Or if you live somewhere where movies are appreciated, you can <laughs> probably see it in theaters. I saw it in theaters. I saw it in the comfort of my own bed, which was a mistake, which I'll get to. Okay. So the movie club is something that uh, I created. That's true. <laughs> in the second season? Yeah. And our first movie was... Me, him, her. Yeah. It was supposed to be something else. It was else. supposed to be... It was supposed to be like a fun movie where like a bunch of gays and lesbians were like renting a, a beach house. Yeah. And it was on Netflix and then they took it off of Netflix. Yeah. And it was never to be heard of again. Yeah. Couldn't tell you what movie it was. I don't remember what it was called. And our big thing is that we wanted it to have like more than just one sexuality in the movie. Right. So we did Me, Him, Her, which had a lesbian couple and a gay couple and a straight guy. Yeah. And that was fun. <laughs> and then season three was Call Me By Your Name and Carol. And right. we compared the two. Yes. Which I think was fun. That was fun. Yeah, I liked that episode. And, and and so this season, we were toying around with a couple of things. And we were like, we have a, a book club this season, so we have to bring back the movie club. And this movie was on our radar anyway. Yes. For a while. Right. <laughs> it's been on my radar since I was born. <laughs> I came out of the womb and my first words were, when is Vita in Virginia coming out? <laughs> Our book was primarily, and well, not primarily, was, well, was a gay relationship, even yeah. though he was also bi. It's only fair that our movie club was just lesbians, except for the one gay yeah. romance in it. Little did we know. <laughs> Big shocker. So we did Vita in Virginia, who was, which was directed by someone. Chanya Button. Who I had never seen. What else has she done? Let's find out. She has directed Burn, 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 World on Fire, Alpha Omega, Fire, and Frog Robot. This is only her second full-length movie. Oh, that's fun. And she scored a great cast. Yeah, really? Led by one Elizabeth Debicki. Yes. I like there was a little yas. <laughs> and, uh, oh, what's her face? Who played Vita? Gemma Arterton. Who, I don't know. I've ever seen her in a movie before, but she's amazing. Oh, yeah. She was in a musical called Made in Dagenham. Oh, yeah. On the West End. Sure. <laughs> that I loved. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? She was in one of my favorite movies of the year. Oh, my God. Okay, she's been in a lot that I've seen. Uh, my favorite movie, of, or one of my favorite movies of the year, which is Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Okay. She plays... Are you ever going to watch it? No. Spoil. Hit the 10 second forward button if you have not seen it. She plays the killer in like a like a big, 
she's like a model actress. Oh. And then no one thinks it's her. And then all of a sudden she's the killer and there's like a big blowout and she's amazing in it. Okay, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> she also is in my par- one of my parents' favorite movies, which this is like their guilty pleasure movie, Hansel and Gretel. Oh, yeah. Where they're like murderers. <laughs> right. Or whatever. Oh, I've seen The Love's Libra's Lost at the Globe. She was in Their Finest, our favorite movie. Who was she in that? She was the main woman. Oh my god. Okay, so I do really like her. She was also in an absolutely terrible production of St. Joan. It also looks like she was in a movie adaptation of that French play, Tess. Tess of the Durbervilles? Yeah. Not a French, not French and not a play. What is it? It's a British novel. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say... (laughs) I will say one thing... About her performance in this, which now that I've seen her in other things, I realize is a, is a choice. Um, her voice was grating. Yes. When she came in and she was like, oh, I want a baguette or whatever. I get, that's a terrible impersonation. <laughs> it was just so nasally and high. Yeah. That I was like, I actually don't think I can listen to you talk for two hours. <laughs> also didn't realize that she's the main character in a like way. Yeah. It kind of follows her story as opposed to Virginia's, which is what I was expecting. Right. I was expecting it to be Virginia, too. But then I thought it was nice that it was the story of someone who kind of gets written out of history. Oh, yeah. Even though she's, like, hugely in history, which I didn't know. Yeah. So the movie is about this relationship that I guess hardcore Virginia fans know about. But, like, the rest of the world is, like, sort of oblivious to between these two famous writers in the... 20s. Oh, 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 okay. I was like, the 20th century? Because I was like, the eight, the 19th, the 18th century? It is the 20th century. It is? Just yeah. like the very early 20th 1920s. century? 1920s. The turn of the century. Not really. Um, the after turn of the century. <laughs> and so I think this is going to be fun. I'm going to recap the movie until I get confused. Okay. And then you correct me and fill me in on what happened in the end. Okay. So it's about this woman... Vita Sackville West. Right. Right? Listeners, I remember that from memory. So I'm not reading off a paper. Who is out but also closeted. Like Uh everybody kind of knows that she's gay and she got in trouble once for... She's not gay. She's bi. Oh, she... Okay, so she's... She... Everybody kind of knows that she's bi and she got in trouble once for... Pretending to be a man, which she says was for work, but I don't believe it. And, like, her professional life does not want that to be her narrative. But her friends seem to be, like, super okay with it Mm -hmm. and, like, pretty chill. She's, like, crazy popular and everybody buys her books. Yes. Which are maybe poetry? No. No? I mean, so... she, like, also write poetry? Okay. And then she, like... Through a, like, weird circumstance with all of the men who look exactly the same. Right. She, like, has an opportunity to meet Virginia Woolf. And right. she's like, oh, I've, like, heard rumors that Virginia's, like, maybe into women as well. So, like, I want to meet her. And I also, like, love her writing. They meet. And then it's, like, 45 minutes of something I've talked about since season one, like like lesbian subtext. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm looking at you, but like, I'm really like telling you something. Right. And then she's like, 
we should like I we should like give each other each other's work and we'll like help, like encourage each other and we'll like be friends and Virginia's like I'm good yeah and Vita's like nope I'm like super on board with this and is like come away with me and then Virginia's like no and then Vita's like but like let's go on a trip which very lesbian of her mm-hmm. from all the movies that I've seen about lesbian couples they love traveling yes and then Virginia's like. Yeah, okay. Also, Virginia is, like, imagining plants right. <laughs> f- that are growing everywhere. And the first time that it happened, when she, like, sees Vita walking away after asking her to travel with her for the first time, there's, like, a little ivy that grows. And I was like, whoa, am I high? Or is that happening? <laughs> and then it, like, gradually gets more and more, which I assume we'll talk about later. They go on the trip. There ends up being other people on the trip. And Virginia's, like... That's not what I thought that this was. And then Vita's like, no, that's what this is. I just have to bring them so no one thinks that that, that we're like fucking. And then Vita's, Virginia's like, I didn't want to fall in love with you, but now I am. And so I'm going to write you like Orlando, which she inspired. And then she like writes so much of Orlando that. You've she... skipped a lot. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, so what happened before Orlando? They fuck. Mm-hmm. And they, like, fall in love. Well, yes. Oh, and Vita's husband is, like, mad. Right. About it, because Virginia fulfills her in ways that he never will. And then there's this dropped plot that where the mom is like, if you publish this book, I'm gonna, like, withdraw, like, cut you off. And then she, like, does? Or she doesn't? No, she doesn't publish the book. Oh. Have we, have has it since been published? I don't know. Interesting. Virginia, like, gets inspired and, like, in a way... Still not yet. No? Vita ghosts Virginia. Oh, right! Vita ghosts Virginia and she comes in with this, like, hot blonde to a party that she knows Virginia is going to be at. Right. And, like, parades are around and then... This is a round where I fell asleep. Okay. (laughs) Which was the problem of watching it in bed. Uh, And I remember... I remember Virginia getting, like crazy upset about it and writing to Vita being like talk to me (laughs) yeah and then we also skipped the part where Virginia Virginia, has a nervous breakdown yeah Virginia gets like really depressed that happens before any of this oh god (laughs) Virginia gets really depressed and they like allude to her eventual death but which doesn't happen in the movie right which was kind of shocking to me that they would like like if I if I didn't know anything about Virginia Woolf I'd be like What's happening? But that I do know. And so it was kind of like a, what's that famous saying? Where it's like, if you show a gun at the beginning of the play. Chekhov's gun. Yeah. So the whole time I was like, God, this movie's going to end with her death. And then it didn't. What else am I missing? So then she starts writing Orlando. Yes. And she's like, does she do it to win her back? Yeah. And then she's like, I wrote this like beautiful, prolific, like my best work for you. And it's like about you. But because I delved so much into you i'm now no longer in love with you right and then vita's like wait what i but you were in love with me like this was going to be a thing like why don't we just run away and like none of this blah 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 and virginia's like nope like i'm good we can still be friends right and then it's over that's the end and that's the story of vita (laughs) and virginia i should be on drunk history (laughs) (laughs) it's all rhythm Once you get that, you can't use the wrong words. 
sight and emotion creates a wave in the mind long before you have the words to describe it. When writing, that is what you must recapture, that wave, as it breaks and tumbles in the mind. If you listen, it will make the words to fit it. So a couple things confuse me, starting with the beginning. Okay. <laughs> Who are the men? And I don't mean that in a, like, I want to know more about the gay plot line. I just mean, like, they all looked so similar. They really did. They it was really hard. They were all, like, ginger blonde with the same mustache. There was one part where Virginia's, like, like berating a woman at that they and they may have been, or no, another man who they, and they may have been hooking up. Virginia? Yeah. It was, like, part? there was a guy in a white suit on a couch, and Virginia's, like, I don't know what you, like, we, what we had was wonderful, but, like, it's over. You mean Vita. Was that Vita? That was Vita. Okay. So Vita's, like, what, what we had is over, and he's, like, I'm gonna tell your husband, and then, like, maybe the husband comes down in a robe, and is, like, makes himself, like, tea, and he's, like, oh, hey, like, I know what's going on, because they have, like, an open relationship type deal, but I was, like, is that her husband, or is that their, like, friend who is with the blonde girl? No, that's... Or, like, I want to say the friend who's who's with the blonde girl that they're, like, friends with. So the blonde girl mm-hmm. is Vanessa Bell, Virginia Woolf's sister. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then she's with Vita's friend, which is why she's at the party. Yes. Wow, this makes sense. And Vita is, like, a, like a socialite. Correct. And so, ever like, which one was gay? Her husband or the friend? The friend. And who did he sleep with? No one. Oh, just like a random guy? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting two people confused. Uh-huh. There's the gay guy, Duncan. Okay. Who's always with Vanessa, who's a painter. Who's Vanessa? Vanessa is Vita, uh, Virginia's sister. Okay. The blonde girl. Okay. So the blonde girl and Duncan are friends. Okay. And they paint together. And Duncan lives with Vanessa and her husband. Oh, okay. When you see the man getting out of bed with another man, that's Vita's husband. What? Yeah. What? I mean, okay, that's definitely what I thought because he gets out of bed to then go downstairs into that scene where she's talking to the guy on the couch. Right. But I was like, no, that doesn't make sense because he's so mad at her for being with another woman. That's not why he was mad at her. No? Was he mad because she was like falling in love with her? Yes. Oh. Because they have an open marriage. Okay. Where they can both sleep with anyone. Gotcha. But they're not supposed to fall in love with anyone. Hmm. Okay. One thing that I would love for like lesbian um, entertainment to do is like tell the full story. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. So did he ever sleep with Duncan? No. He didn't? I mean, not in the movie. No. Oh, interesting. Is Duncan, I assume that all of these people are real characters or like real people. And Duncan is the guy that was the sailor or is that the husband of the blonde? That's Duncan. Okay. So then, so then who's the blonde's husband? Just another guy. Is he ever like really heavily featured in the movie? Not so at the very beginning. Oh, he's the guy in my favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? My favorite scene in the movie is when they're all like listening to music and the blonde and some guy are dancing. And then Virginia's like, God, this moment's like amazing. Like, don't you feel that? And then yeah. she like gets up and like puts her hand on his hand, which is touching the woman's back. And yeah. it kind of gets like sexy, but then like weird. Yeah. And she's like, mm, like the, like the skin and like the heat, like this is like a moment. Like, isn't that so crazy? And everyone's like, uh-huh. That's her husband. No, that's Duncan. 
<laughs> okay, but is her husband there? Yes. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> At the beginning when Vita goes to the party mm-hmm. and she ends up in like an empty room. Yeah. And a guy comes in and is like, come back to the party. Yeah. That's Vanessa's husband. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So all of that was very confusing for me. <laughs> and then what is, okay, what is Jacob's room? Is that famous? Yeah. That's, and it's not that play something room. Marvin's room. Yeah, it's not that. No, it's not Marvin's room. Okay. <laughs> Jacob's room is just another Virginia Woolf book that we don't need to get into. Okay. Is it like Sapphic? No. So Orlando is the only one? Yes. And like, well, her, and like I mean, her letters, obviously. There's argument to be made about a lot of her books being Sapphic, but Orlando is the one that is most outwardly about gender and sexuality. So when she wrote that, how was it super popular if that was something that like no one was like into? Well, because it's not like, and then, so you know the plot of Orlando. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to say why? I do because it was the first show that I ever saw that you directed starring Broadway's finest Susanna Perkins. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) So... The part about Orlando's, like, gender and sexuality mm-hmm. is, like, this much of this whole book. What's the rest about? The rest is about time. And how it, like, moves and stuff. Re- oh, I remember in your production, time, like, moved on very quickly. That's correct. And there were signs and there was music. Yes. Interesting. So then how how is it related to Vita, then, if only, like, such a small part of it? Is actually about, like, sexuality and gender. Well, it's dedicated... Is it really? To V. Sackville West. Wow. So a lot of it is, like, adventures that Orlando has. Right. Which are all sort of, like, based on V. Sackville West's adventures. To, like, other countries and stuff. Yeah. Because, oh, there's a big part of the movie where she's, like, fully in Egypt or something. Right. So then I remember in your production, Orlando, like, falls in love with another woman. Right. Is that supposed to, like, ref- like emulate this relationship? Yes. Interesting. So then I read But somewhere... remember, when Orlando falls in love with a woman, he's a man. Oh. And then when he... I do remember Susanna's hair being up. Yes. And, like, maybe in some slacks. That's correct. So why then do people say that, like, Orlando is just a really long love letter to Vita? Because Orlando, the character, is based on Vita. That's so weird because, like, okay, this is a very heteronormative thing for me to say, Uh but, like, stay with me. Okay. In this movie, I get that during the sex scenes, Vita's on top. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, where is this going? Okay. But in the way the movie was presented and the characters are presented, Vita is very feminine. Uh Like, very effeminate. And so, like, I, like, it's crazy to me that someone would then look at Vita and be like, you know what? I'm going to write her as this, like, gender-fluid character. Well, remember when she ran away with the other woman, she dressed like a man. Oh, yeah. Wow, gender really is a spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) You also don't have to be a masculine woman to be gender-fluid. Right. Which Virginia Woolf was, like, way ahead of her time (laughs) on that. (laughs) She's, like, four steps ahead of gender theory in general. (laughs) Okay, so when Orlando is presented, like, the there's a film with... Is it Tilda? Yes. Is Orlando usually presented as more masculine or not? 
It dep- it really depends on sort of like what you want. This is like taking me back to senior year of college because I had these conversations all the time. It sort of depends on what you want to like say about gender with Orlando. Mm-hmm. Like in my production, we sort of like <laughs> we we there's like the scene where Orlando goes from being a man to being a woman. There was a green dress involved. There was a green dress involved. But, like, we didn't... Suzanne and I talked a lot about, like, very specifically not changing anything about Orlando's bearing. And just being like, well, like, now there's a dress, which means, like, now this 20th century character is a woman. Does that make sense? So that, like, So that, like, Susanna, when she was playing him as a man, wasn't, like, trying to, like, be in drag. It was just like, this is a character who is one gender and is now another gender. Gotcha. So the character never changed, just... Just the gender. Gotcha. But then, like, the Tilda Swinton one is very similar to that. Just getting back to the story of the movie, what about writing Orlando turned her off of Vita? I think it was just the fact that, like... She now knew her so intimately? Yeah. But then, like, wouldn't that make her feel closer? Well, I think the issue was, like... She feels like she knows all of Vita's flaws as well. Hmm. Or maybe, and like, I think this is up to interpretation, but I think maybe it was also like, like Vita will never actually be Orlando, this mm-hmm. like hero character that she invented hmm. based off of Vita, but like Vita's not actually that character. And so Virginia can't love her. Interesting. I would love, I would love a sequel. In my mind, I was like, oh, I would love if there was like, if we could have Virginia Woolf here to explain, like, what parts And our of, next guest. <laughs> like, what parts of Orlando are, like, directly derived from, like, words and things that she said. And then, like, Vita has said. And then what parts of it are, like, things that she's putting onto Virginia. Or onto, that Virginia is putting onto Vita to turn her into this, like, right big thing. Yeah. Time-traveling, gender-fluid character. Right. Do okay. So then, do you think that this movie told the story of the creation of Orlando well? No, because I don't think it was about that. What do you think it was about? Like just their relationship? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think you could make a whole movie about like the creation of Orlando and it coming out and like changing Virginia Woolf's career and like stuff like that. But I don't think that's like what the focus of this movie was. Hmm. Same person. No difference at all. Just a different sex. So talk to me about the leaves. Yes. What's happening? Virginia Woolf. And the crows. Yes. The crows were a little more clear. Yes. Also, great shout out to your favorite movie, The Birds. I know! (laughs) I was like, yes! Finally, The Birds gets its cinematic due. (laughs) But yeah, talk to me about the the, leaves. Because I didn't super get it. So, Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. was schizophrenic. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I just thought that she was depressed. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor, and obviously, like, that classification hadn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. But, like, looking back on it, most scholars agree that she was. Interesting. It's weird to me that they chose to do that. Yeah. So, what do you think the, like, plants represented? Because the whole, I was like, I didn't understand. I, I, here's the part that I super didn't understand. Why it was only plants. Yeah, I think Virginia Woolf felt trapped. And once she started seeing, like, she felt, there's a lot of, like, Virginia Woolf text, like, about her 
that indicates that she felt very trapped in the city. And that's why in Here It Comes, The Hours. My favorite movie. She and Leonard moved to the country house to try and help her, like, recuperate from an episode. Hmm. Which... So do the plants make her feel better? I think the plants are sort of like, she is like what she wants to be seeing. is like nature. Huh. And it freaks her out because she's like cognitive of it. Yeah. Cognitive. Cognitive. (laughs) Okay. Another question about the direction. The music. Yeah. (laughs) What a weird choice. choice. I felt like I was in like a, like a sexy candle shop. (laughs) Like, it was like, it didn't, okay, so I, I had listened to the first song on the soundtrack, and I was like, oh, it's like a weird, it almost sounds like the Love, Simon score, if you've ever listened to that, <laughs> but it's just like all computer music, and then, or like computer generated music, and then when it like hits into the film for the first time, I was like, oh, right, that's what this is, Yeah. and kept waiting for the film to then match it, and I don't think it ever did. I agree. <laughs> the only time that I think that it worked really well is the reveal of now I know Vita's husband sleeping with the other guy yeah because he's like laying there and you don't see him and then when he like stands up and you see the other guy the music hits in yeah and I was like completely blown away by it but the rest of the time I was like I don't like I don't get it it I almost would have expected that music to be on top of something like the Marie Antoinette movie with Kirsten Dunst but It's clearly an artistic choice. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly have no idea what that music was about. Oh, there was also a point in the movie where it kept hitting so hard. And then I was like, oh, is this movie going to turn into like a kinky, like sex drama? I wish. Where there's just going to be like loads and loads of sex. (gasps) (gasps) What? Something shocking has happened. Okay, first I'm going to read you a quote from the composer about the score. Okay. Chanya had a really clear vision. She said there shouldn't be any pianos in the score, anything that roots it to the period, because what's happening to these women is so timeless. It happened then as much as it happens now, Wallerbridge said. There's a version of this score that is really soft and beautiful and just does that one thing. That made us so angry every time we thought of it. Wolf and Sackville West were making up their own rules, falling in love and falling and following their instincts. They were iconoclasts. The music needed to reflect that. Oh, I actually kind of like that. Yeah, I like that. I wish it would have been tied into the direction maybe a little bit more. Me too. But yeah, I'm into that. Okay, now something shocking. Okay. Elizabeth Debicki was wearing a mic that was really close to her heart, and it picked up. You could hear her heartbeat. So I asked for the recordings of that because I really feel (laughs) (laughs) the heartbeat through this. It's their hearts beating together and also separately. So I put that in, and then I said, maybe I should transfer that and make it a kick, and let's start making this electronic. I took the tempo from her heartbeat. Of course it changed because you got to make it fit. But we definitely, for the opening, I think that's the tempo of her heartbeat. What? Okay, that's really cool. God. (laughs) That's so cool. And also, I'm the mic. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess while we're on this topic, the sex scenes. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) They were not... As explicit I was as I was expecting. Me too. However, sometimes leaving stuff for the imagination is good. Yeah. And was I was almost jealous that like Call Me by Your Name didn't even have anything like that. 
I also was expecting maybe more than one thing to be done. Yes, me too. So what what did you think of the sex scenes? <sighs> well. Because I know you've fully... <laughs> by, from watching a movie. <laughs> Just throwing you out there. And I assume that this did not do that. No. Because it, it was... Pretty tame. Yeah. First of all, I'm cutting what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) So technically there's like one sex scene. It just plays twice. Yeah. So I guess we can only count it as one sex scene. I was mad that the second time it played, it wasn't like another thing, you know? Yeah. Or like quick cuts of like something else happening. Mm -hmm. I thought it was very hot. It was very, um, okay, the thing that I liked most about it is it was very, like, two people having sex for the first time. Yeah. Like, they were just kind of, like, locked in on each other and didn't really care about what was happening. It was just the fact that they were, like, actually doing it that was so exciting. Yeah. Whereas when you saw them kissing, they were, like, going at it. Yeah. But then when it actually came time for them to have sex, it was more, I don't want to say mechanical because it wasn't, but they were just, like focused on the togetherness of it as opposed to, like, the sexual part of it. Yeah. From how I watched it. No, yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was more about, like, the two of them than about the sex. Yeah, which is disappointing, which is... <laughs> but... Which is, like, simultaneously disappointing that it did, it wasn't, like, just straight-up porn. <laughs> uh-huh. But also, like, good for, like, that movie. I felt like I felt like it was the appropriate sex scene for that movie. Yeah. I just wish... It had been a different movie so that I could have seen Elizabeth Debicki full frontal. We did see her boobs. We did see her boobs. Or a boob. One boob. <laughs> um, Just like Emma Stone in The Favorite, one boob. Also, maybe they only did that because she's so tall. Like, how how tall is Gemma? I don't know. I mean, I assume it's a lot shorter. There were a lot of scenes where, like, Elizabeth Debicki was just sort of towering over her. And they tried so hard. There were, Gemma was in so many high-waisted pants. Or, like, she, yeah, she's or even, like, high, like, high, oh, my God. She's my height. Like, high-waisted, like, skirts and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I get that you're trying to make her legs look longer. But there's one shot very early on in the movie where Virginia, like, storms to her writing door and, like, angrily crosses the mark yeah. and gets in. And I was like, you're 11 feet tall. I know! <laughs> but maybe that's why what do you mean because they were like to show like i don't want to height shame anybody but like maybe filming wise it was easier to just have vita like be on top and like very separate bodily so that they could be like oh Gemma isn't us an aunt (laughs) next to the massive elizabeth becky right also, just like, I guess Elizabeth Debicki has long legs, not a long torso. Sure. But I was just like, Gemma's got to be stretching in that scene. Yeah. Can you imagine Gemma's like feet next to like uh, her knees? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that they, and this is a, a triggering question that I'm asking on purpose. Do you think that they filmed it the same way that they filmed the favorite sex scene with like the sponge? Or do you think that Vita's just going like this? <laughs> just like shoulder shimmying. Probably with the sponge. Let's hope. (laughs) That would be nice for me. (laughs) I'm the sponge. Is this the first film where Elizabeth's kissed another woman? Yes. Hmm. Has she said anything about it? No. She also has never publicly said what her sexuality is. I met... Is she married? No. Oh. Is she with anybody? No. Whoa. As far as, like, we know. That's... Great news for me, honestly. Yeah. 
Also, here's what I'll say about Elizabeth Bicky as someone who's not necessarily a fan. I'm not not a fan. She just doesn't stand out to me. It's crazy to me that the same actress that can do Widows turned around and then played Virginia Woolf. Right? Like, Nicole Kidman. It's Nicole Kidman, right? Yeah. I get it, because that's, like, that's, that's kind her of her thing. shtick. Yeah. But, like, if you've never seen Widows, go ahead and watch it. Yeah, really? Because she plays almost the exact opposite of Virginia Woolf. Yeah. So hats off to Elizabeth Debicki. <laughs> She also, I'm sorry, I just have to say, she was so hot in this movie. Like, the scene where, at the beginning, the first time you see her, where she's, like, in that sort of, like, weird suit thing, and she's, like, leaning back, and her hands are up in the air. I was like, I need to leave. Oh, when she's dancing? Yeah. Yeah. That, that one shot of, like, the music and her dancing, and and her hair is down, and she, like, looks like William Shakespeare. Yeah. I was like, I'm into this. And I like then, that you specified William Shakespeare. <laughs> and then when they go into the room and she's like, she like lights a cigarette and she's just kind of like chilling up against the window and they just don't talk. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. I also loved where then after that, Vita was like, are you going to smoke that? And she was like, uh, <laughs> and then smoked. Also her hands. Oh boy. I didn't notice them. I, I did. She has such, mom turned the podcast off. <laughs> bony hands she has such like long fingers Hmm. and like yeah she has bony hands is that a thing for me it is (laughs) ladies if you have bony hands out there (laughs) you can follow jay hunt at hey (laughs) john slide into my dms with your long fingers (laughs) <laughs> just like Slender Man hands. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> you know I love Slender Man. <laughs> Is Gemma hot as Vita? Yes. Would you say equally as? No. Oh, interesting. But no one is as hot as Elizabeth Debicki to me. Really? Yeah. That's news. Not even like Jessica or Claire. Claire who? Danes. <laughs> you love Claire Danes. I do love Claire Danes. <laughs> <laughs> or... I want to see where this goes. Emily. Blunt? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just mean, Elizabeth Debicki is like... Your favorite blonde? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. She is my favorite blonde. <laughs> okay. I'll buy that. Because <laughs> I, I can't think of another blonde that we've ever gone to see a movie for. Yeah. Oh, Vanessa Kirby. Oh. Oh. Okay. Would you rather Vanessa Kirby or Elizabeth? I have an answer. <sighs> I think Elizabeth. Hmm. I'd obviously pick Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Wow, so she's your favorite blonde. Yeah. She's also like, I think what I meant by no one's as hot as her is like. Just like all around. Putting someone next to her, it would be hard for me to be like, yeah, that person's hotter. Well, yeah, because she's a foot, a full like three feet taller. Exactly. At all times. And that's like a huge appeal for me. Hmm. That makes sense. I heard you on the radio this morning. I just read your latest novel. Why do you think your books sell more than mine? Popularity was never a sign of genius. Are you going to smoke that? So, here's my question. Did you like it? Yeah. Interesting. I thought you were going to hate it. I thought it was fine. Okay. What did you think? I think I've watched that movie better. Yes, I agree. But in 
the hours. But it being about a story that I don't know, I found very intriguing. Mm -hmm. Now, me not knowing it is fully on me. (laughs) Like, not knowing a lot about Virginia Woolf in general. But I thought it was, like, fine. I probably would never watch it again. And, like, we'll probably forget about it. Yeah. I probably also will never watch it again. But I can totally see as, like, an, like, like, from the artist's point of view, being, like, I want to make this movie about this thing, and it being more of, like, an art piece than, like, a Friday night slumber party movie. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and I also don't think it's supposed to be that movie that, like, is going to be, like, a, a lesbian cult classic. Right. Because I feel like, even though that's so much of the movie, there are other movies that do that better. Yeah. Where, like, Carol is only about that. And right. this was kind of about a lot of other things Yeah, it was as about, well. like, society. Yeah. And if you were to, like, do a dissertation on Virginia Woolf, you could probably watch this and get some stuff out of it. But it wouldn't Definitely. be, like, a biography. Like, it's not like a biopic. Right. It's almost as if they're, like, telling this very specific story using these two people that it happened to. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that does. The one thing I thought was really cool about it besides getting to see Elizabeth Debicki kiss a woman, <laughs> was them using the actual letters. I was wondering. Yeah, like when they're talking to the screen, mm-hmm. that's actual letters that they wrote to each other. Huh. Do you, like, did they have to get permission from like the Virginia Woolf estate for Probably, that? Or is it yeah. all like public domain? I mean, it is. It's all like published and stuff. Hmm. So now it's time for something we do every week on Postcast. But yeah. we're going to do it here. Okay. How many trophies would we give this movie? Oh, God. I have my answer. On postcast, we do it out of 10, right? Or out of five? Out of five. (laughs) Okay. 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 I I have mine. I say two. I was going to say three and a half. Oh, whoa. I was going to say three, but then I got scared you would do it way lower. I I changed my answer to three. I haven't seen many, like, lesbian romance films. Yeah. So out of the, like, handful that I've seen, I think this was more like on the more interesting side if this was if this movie was done without the backdrop of these two historical people i think it would have been a bad movie agreed or even if you took the same plot and put it in today i think it would be super boring yeah but because there's like multiple layers to the movie i got really into it in points but i'd still rather watch carol me too As the podcast has grown, I keep thinking back to when we first made the podcast and I remember like taping your comforter up to the window with tape so that the sound (laughs) didn't bounce off the wall. And our Patreon subscribers who we've kind of welcomed into the One More Thing family over the years have been so helpful to the season two that we did and the season three. And postcast. Yeah, and have really helped us grow. And I just wanted to say thank you. And if you're listening to this and you are not a Patreon subscriber, I would like you to consider maybe becoming one. (laughs) (laughs) It would be really great if every listener donated one dollar because you know what that would do we get a bunch of dollars and oh by the way we also have a paypal now oh right so if you want to make a one-time donation i literally just remembered this as we're recording this ad if you want to make a one-time donation which would be so incredibly kind you can go to paypal.com and just paypal us at one more thing So it's time for the one more thing of this episode. Our last one more thing of the season. Our last one more thing of the season. Wow. Wow. The fact that we've come up with 40 games. I know. (laughs) Quote unquote games. Yeah, quote unquote games. Not, we've come up with like five games. (laughs) And 35 just other things. So since our next, the next time you hear from us will be the thingies. Oh yeah. 
we figured we should do how many things? Well, potentially. Potentially. Yeah. Our next scheduled thing Our next, is, yeah. is, is the thingies. Yeah. If something huge happens, you'll hear from us again. Yeah. What would you nominate it for? Sexiest moment. Which moment? The, like, fingering scene? Yeah. I'm surprised it took us this long to say fingering in this episode. <laughs> and we're like, when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I would say music. Use of music? Yeah. Use of music, the opening, especially after learning that. Yeah. It would come close, but I would put Elizabeth on, like, the list of potential nominees. Me too. For performance. Agreed. But I don't think she'd actually get nominated. I think she'd probably be, like, eighth out of five. And we'd be like, "Uh, okay, I guess it's time to cut it. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're the only people that understand what we're talking about right now. Well, our patrons do. Oh, yeah. She would be, like, up for debate. Yeah. For performance. Yeah. I realize that my Maryland accent is coming out whenever I say fur. (laughs) Fur performance. Yeah. And... Yeah, I think that's all I would nominate it for. So I guess that's it for season four. Yeah, wow. That went by really fast. It really did. (laughs) I loved making this with you, obviously. And I thank everybody that has stuck with us since the beginning. You have not gone gone unnoticed. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more from us, you can obviously subscribe to us on social media. We're always there most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to give a big shout out to David Zimmerman, who came on this season and just like really knocked it out of the park and helped us And a really lot. made this our easiest season yet. Yeah. No, yeah. I, th- I don't think I've ever been so relaxed during a season before me neither and usually when we plan a season this is a little behind the scenes there are a lot of things that end up not happening and the season i want to say only one or two things didn't happen yeah like david just like really worked it all out yeah and made it all happen yeah and we don't even know him yeah we've literally (laughs) never met him so i guess if you live in chicago and you see david on the street high five yes if he's okay with it (laughs) (laughs) just say thanks david and you can follow him on social media. Oh, yeah. You can follow him on Twitter at David Zim, but the eyes are ones. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. D- Dave one d- 11. Z- or no, one. there's only one I in Zim. Yeah, there's only one. <laughs> and then you can follow him on Instagram at zim.merman. Zim.merman. Oh, I got it. I get it. And then also big thanks to Abby Davis who made all the artwork for Posecast and made the artwork for our new artwork that we've been using this season. Yeah, we love it. I think this is my favorite artwork. Me too, for sure. And thank you for editing all of the episodes. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for writing all of the episodes. Oh, thanks. And I guess we'll see everybody on Saturday for one last thing. Yeah. Where wow. I guess is, which I guess is going to be our last Demi Watch 2019. Oh, yeah. Aw. Okay, I'll say this right now. If something huge happens on Bachelor in Paradise, I mean, like, they get engaged or, like, something big happens, we'll come back. Yeah. And just, like, do a quick... And say a quick thing about it. Yeah. Or if we can get Demi on the podcast. Or Christian. I'll take either. Yeah, really. Or both. (laughs) Together, that would be amazing. We just slowly transition into a Bachelor podcast. I mean, listen, the people want what the people want. Our third podcast. (laughs) What would it be called? One more Bachelor? (laughs) Gageler, no. Bachelorette, no. Bachelor in Gay (laughs) Redice.
That's kind of good. <laughs> it well, it would it, it could just be called like one more thing presents Bachelor Nation or like ba- Bachelor Gation. Oh, that's it. <laughs> oh no. Okay, if you are another podcast listening to this and you take Bachelor Gation, I will personally come over and punch you. Yeah, unless you're hot, in which case other things will happen, and then <laughs> I'll punch you. <laughs> well, consensually. Well, no, not consensually. I'd be mad. Oh. Well, I mean, if if it's someone hot. Oh yeah. And you can consensually, like punch them in the bed. and then unconsensually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just started thinking about all the people that I could do that to. Um, that have podcasts. Podcasters are hot. Anyway, I guess we'll see I think you that's Saturday. It. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.